All right, guys, welcome back to the New York City Sports Podcast. I'm Cameron with co-host Jared Sage. Today we're going to talk some Mets, some Yankees, some Giants, some Jets as the preseason is about to heat up for them. The Mets have been dropped to third place in the NL East, and the Yankees continue to play some decent baseball, winning eight of their last ten games. So let's jump right into some of this baseball right here, Jared. Um, The Mets have an awful weekend. Two weeks ago, we were discussing how uh, the Phillies um, and the Braves could be kind of eliminated if the Mets go on a good run here. They ultimately do not. Um, And it's honestly the end of their season for the Mets as it looks right at this point. What do you think? I mean, this was, this felt like a weekend, like that you could remember, like the weekend in August, this was the coming, you know, the seams unraveling, everything coming apart for the Mets. I think they lost every single game in the most different and Mets way where they blow leads, their bullpen gives it up late. They don't have enough offense. They get no hit for a long time. And I mean, to top it off with Zach Wheeler, who, you know, had has showed some promise with the Mets, but his career with the Mets was largely, you know, largely ravaged by injuries and you never really got to see the full Zach Wheeler. Well, he leaves, goes to the, you know, division rival Phillies and does that against the Mets. I mean, that has got to be for a Mets fan. That has got to be a heartbreaking weekend. But the only thing is, is that, you know, they, they had a miraculous win today to come back and win that game that, you know, it seemed in doubt potentially yesterday. So they win today. All right. They're, they're still only one and a half out, right? They're only one, one and a half out, two out. They can come back. This is not over. Now, this tough part of their schedule with the Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, and Giants is going to come up, and they're going to need to tread water there and hope that they can get some help between Philly and Atlanta losing. But this is this is wide open. I definitely, though, would say right now, to me, they're not the pick to win the NL East. I, I would yeah. lean towards Philadelphia or Atlanta. There, there's two trajectories right now that I'm kind of looking at. There's this one of the Atlanta Braves that have actually played pretty well in their last 20 or so games and they've outperformed I don't think that I think they'll come crashing down and they they won't sustain this however Philly I think their offense is built to kind of sustain this as well as their pitching their pitching is coming back and their bullpen is pitching much better the Mets have kind of blew these games they their offense didn't hit and we can kind of get into Pete Alonzo's quote here um but if I'm a Mets fan, I'm very frustrated what came out from this weekend because we were they were given opportunities to win in almost every single one of those games. And it either was the Mets not coming through with a hit with runners in scoring position or a bullpen reliever giving up uh, a home run to extend the lead for the Phillies to kind of put the game out of reach. You know, for Wheeler, um, you know, on Sunday – that, that game was kind of insane for me versus his former team. It must sting really a lot for Mets fans. And, you know, people are like, he might be the Cy Young in the NL East and Harper might be the MVP in the NL. In the NL. So uh, same with Wheeler in the NL. But, um, you know, we'll see what comes of this. I feel bad for the Mets because I think that they actually do have the best team, if healthy, potentially. Things have obviously not, you know, come to fruition in this season between, you know, 
DeGrom in and out, not having Syndergaard for a while, not having Carrasco for a while. Now Lindor has been out. Their acquisition, Javi Baez, may be injured. You know, things haven't totally come full circle for the Mets this year. There still is time, but the way that things are trending, I, I just don't believe that they can pick themselves up once again. I, I think that this is kind of more what the Mets were in that beginning part of the season where they were kind of not just treading water, but playing a little bit above what they should have done, you know, considering their injuries. I think at this point in the season, we've kind of figured out who the Mets are. You know, th- this losing stretch really kind of proved to me that this team is not exactly, I think, what their record at one point in the season showed us. You know, can they have a successful season after this series and after they blew that lead that they kind of had to the Phillies and Braves? I don't think so. You know, people are like, oh, it's new ownership. You know, something new is going to happen. New team. It's only their first year. Let them play it out. But this team was supposed to win for the past two years, you know, and kind of has missed the spot in, in the both past two years. So, you know, let's see where Steve Cohen takes or rides the ship a little bit. You know, you say you can't change the franchise in a year. I think a lot of moving pieces happened last offseason to put them in position for them to win. You know, James McCann probably isn't leading, li- living up to that contract. As Maybe. Well I as, mean, it's know. not It's not like he got a ton of money, and he's he's been more than serviceable a catcher. He's been a pretty good catcher, and he's been he's out there. not putting up the same numbers he was before in years past. Not homer-wise, but he's played okay. He's not the reason that that they're in this prediction. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying from the acquisitions that obviously, they did. Obviously, the I think that what we can point to is Lindor. Lindor obviously wasn't – when he was on the field, he wasn't exactly doing a lot. Now that he's off the field, I think people realize even at not his best – playing ability he still is that guy on the field that you want and you want you know around you when you're going out to you know to play a game to me I think the GM is gone because I don't think that this was actually the GM they really wanted obviously you know they had to get rid of and fire Jared Porter after those you know messages came up about him so they did the right decision there however that put them in a really tough spot because obviously they value Jared Porter more than Zach Scott I don't know how Zach Scott, if they don't win the division, I don't see how he stays for next year. Just because I think it's been a lot about the players too. Cause could you say that on the other side of New York? Like, you know, but, but, but Brian Cashman doesn't have the interim tag and he wasn't, he wasn't the second choice. Brian Cashman has been there for 20 years. I know. I know, but I'm, I'm, yeah, it's just, he's developed a relationship with the Steinbrenner family. Zach Scott, I just feel You're like saying this was, is more of a Cohen situation to be like, oh, I don't like this guy as much. You're like, I think Cohen in January of last year, late January, with spring training around the around the corner, had to make a split second decision. He couldn't just, you know, conduct another GM search, and uh, GM searches wouldn't be really available because maybe the other GMs had signed with other teams or you know committed to other teams, and then the guys who are in that next are in that role where they could be available for GMs. I think that they would feel wrong that like that close to the season starting to kind of just leave their team. And I don't think that they could do a good job coming in last second when they kind of are fresh to the organization. Zach Scott had been hired as like the assistant kind of guy that they wanted to bring in, but he wasn't, I don't ever thought, I don't ever think brought in to be the guy. I mean, that's really fair to say they come back and win today. Um, Let's see how these games come up 
you know, I said this team had to go pretty much, you know, in their next 26 games, I said that they had to go um, 14 and 12. And they're, they're already, you know, one and four in those games. So the one thing, though, that's interesting, though, and, you know, we can talk about the Yankees in a second is, you know, the Yankees to be the second wild card. They may need like 93 ish wins, 92, 93. I mean, they're going to need to win a lot of games. I wouldn't be so shocked if the Mets like or whoever wins the National League East wins it with like 87 wins. Uh, that really 86. They, they probably will. They probably will, honestly. If I was to say at the beginning of the season, you know, would the Mets win 95 games, you'd probably say no. No, I would probably say no. You would, But if you say if they would win 92, I don't even know if you would say yes either. But if you had told me they would win 95 games, I would think that that would be good enough for the division. Oh, yeah, of course. But if, but if I told you the, the Phillies – Imagine if the Phillies win 87 games this year and when, you know, what does that really say about I what how much does that really say about the Phillies or how much does that really say about the Mets? It's After really- you go out and get Baez and you have Lindor and you have gotten the catcher that you wanted and no, you have it definitely it definitely has an impact and had, you know, for me had the Mets won 95 games and lost the division that's a big – That's a, obviously that's going to be different than had they won 82 games and lost the division, right? What do you think about Pete Alonso's comments then, like him saying everything's fine when clearly they're on a trajectory that's not even close to them winning, you know, 85 games? You know, I'm not in that clubhouse, so I can't determine what the mood in that clubhouse is at the moment. And what the mood in at that clubhouse would be had Pete Alonso kind of gone a little bit harder on the team and, you know, himself too, and said, you know, we are not playing to our capabilities and we, you know, it's not all right. Uh, you know, we need to change this. I wonder what the response would have been. I guess that he has a pretty good beat of the clubhouse. I think it's the wrong quote just because I think in New York fans, the media is going to just take that narrative and kind of run with it and say like, man, what are you, are you clueless? Like, Things are not fine. Like, we've lost too many games in a row. Like, all hell is breaking loose. No, but I think he has a good idea of what that clubhouse is. And to, you know, think that, uh, I think that says that those guys believe in themselves and their ability and that they believe in one another, that they can right this ship. Hey, they've dealt with a lot of adversity this year, more than a lot of other teams. Like, the Phillies have not really dealt with this adversity, you know, the adversity that the Mets have dealt with. The Phillies have just kind of not played so well, but their guys have really been out there. Whether it's Bryce or Segura or Real Muto, he yeah, Bryce was out for the 10 days, of the year. Yeah, but like Wheeler's been healthy and Nola's been healthy. He just hasn't been great. The only you know adversity that Phillies battled is like not playing well. The Mets have actually dealt with things that have you know kind of interrupted their promising season. Sure, sure. You know, I just don't think that that's the right thing to say. Whether or not you're like, I feel like the best thing to say is is what um you know james mccann said which was we haven't been playing our best we need to play better right like i i feel like that's fair enough i think the mets can admit that too but for pete alonzo to say like hey we need we need to just focus yeah but remember you're a fan you're watching baseball enjoy the game like what does that really say to a mets fan who believes in this franchise now possibly more than they have in the past 10 years 
or not, not 10 years, maybe like five years. Right. So you're believing this franchise again and they come off with this bad stretch and your second leader on the team, Pete Alonzo is kind of saying, Hey, don't worry about it, but you really shouldn't care because it's only a game. I don't know how much. I, think, I don't. I, think I don't. Probably wrong, and I think he could have probably worded himself differently or kind of changed his tone. But you know, at the end of the day, I I think that fans are going to re- overreact one way or another. If he says, you know, we as an offense are not doing enough right now, then fans are going to say, well, then what are you doing? Why aren't you getting ready? What what's wrong with you guys? And if he says, you know. It's a game. Things happen over a long season. We just need to stick with the course and stay together. Then fans are going to say, how do you not have a sense of urgency? So I think that there almost is no winning to his situation. I think the best thing he could have done was, I agree with what you said, you know, James McCann, just kind of a one-liner, just say like, you know, there's a tough stretch. You know, we need to, you know, pick ourselves up and really kind of fight back here. I think just giving the fans nothing is almost better than picking one side of this argument. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's fair. I think it's just also very Pete Alonzo. Yeah, I don't think anyone else says that. So, like, I, I just – if I'm a Mets fan, I just kind of move on, see how they play. However, I don't think that this could be a successful season unless they do win the division. And yeah, I think at this point, if I were to tell you – If that- you started off this bad, then I wouldn't care as much. Like, if you had these injuries to start, you'll say you went off on the wrong foot, Right. And you'll yeah. say, like, hey, we were really caught up. But you had that lead for, like, three-fifths of the no, season, right? I think had I told you before the year that the division winner in the National League East may not win more than 88 games and you and the Mets didn't win the division, I think you could definitely have a gripe with that. But had I told you that, you know, Atlanta was just Atlanta once again and they won 98 games, you'd have said, okay, we're not there yet. We need to see who we are this year because, obviously – there's a gap between us and Atlanta. Now you can say Atlanta's had injuries. Soroka being out once again this year and Acuna now missing the second half of the year, but it's not like Atlanta was much before Acuna went down either. You know, some of their young guys have started to hit like Austin Riley, but like Christian Pache done much. So I'm not ready to say that I've been always been a, you know, the last few years, a big fan of Atlanta. I think they could have beaten the Dodgers last year, albeit 60 games, but I wouldn't say that, you could say Atlanta has been ravaged by injuries because, okay, they've been without Darno for a long time. And now Acuna is out the rest of the year in Soroka, but for the most part, also Zuna. Zuna's Ozuna too. Gone. Yeah. No, ha- not having him, but it's not like they were clicking even when they, when they had the full group of guys together, there were issues with that team. Their, their bullpen losing Melanson last year was not, was a really big loss. Yeah, I, I think them getting Jock has been very good, actually, too. He's played very well. And, and Jorge Soler, I think, has been tremendous for them. He has. He has. And their pitching has pitched well. Did you see that uh, video yesterday when, um, you know, Soler did not know who his own pitcher was yeah. after the game when he was being interviewed? I thought that was pretty funny. I think it was Drew Smiley that was pitching yesterday, so you know who that was. Um, I think the Braves are in almost better shape for next year because they've had this better stretch near the end of the year and they could probably go into next year with some hope. Whereas the Mets have more question marks. I think, um, you know, the, yeah, I definitely like, what do you do with Conforto? You know, maybe like, you bring you him know, back on a cheap contract. You, you don't, you don't worry about maybe you bring back Peterson, you know, Zuna's gone, but you know, at least Acuna is coming back most likely at, 
you know, at least a month into the season. So. No, I think that there are definitely a lot of question marks with the Mets, but I think that they have, they're, they're in a better situation than I think a lot of other teams in baseball. Like I would rather be in the Mets position where there's no team in the National League East that really feels dominant right now. Like if you look at a lot of other divisions, there's one or two teams that like, you think to yourself, like, how can we stack up with them if we're a middle-of-the-pack team? The Mets are a middle-of-the-pack team who is now willing to spend, has pretty decent prospect capital, and has already, a, you know, a pretty good nucleus of guys who are, you know, who are there for a long term. So, I, you know, there are worse places to be than the Mets. Of course, of course. Um, do you want to move on to the Yankees? Yeah, I know. Mean, so... You know, obviously the Yankees have played great baseball. Like you could really date it back to, you know, Houston, that Houston series right before the all-star break, or even that Seattle one right before the break. They've played even better now as of late, ever since the Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo signings. You know, they've won every series that they've played, taking two out of three from the Royals, the Orioles, and three out of four from the uh, Mariners and sweeping the Marlins. However, while Boston has come back to the pack, they are still six and a half behind Tampa Bay now on August 11th. That's going to be kind of hard to maybe pick up with not a lot of games against Tampa Bay and with the schedule maybe getting a, a little bit harder. And then for the, um, two American League, for the two American League wildcard spots, there's about five teams fighting for two spots. It's going to get really interesting how that's going to all unfold. So Cameron, let me ask you, although the Yankees have played better, they still are about in the same position as they were a few, you know, a few weeks ago, one and a half, two and a half games back of a wild card. What do you think the Yankees need to do to get into that wild card spot? I think that the Yankees have to get their uh, players that are on their IL back healthy, because I don't think this run that they're having the past five games or so, six games that they've played with injured guys or replacement players is going to last much longer. So I'm really – because I could see us going in the second half of August and being 500. In our past 30 games, we've been 20 and 10, right? And ever since we got Rizzo, we've been – I think Rizzo and Gallo, we've been 9 and 2, right? I really hope that we continue playing our best baseball by making smart decisions and by – like even today – you know, if Tyler Wade doesn't have a big day and the Yankees lose, I think I'm in a much different headspace right now because they how much put out a really bad lineup today because they're playing at the Field of Dreams tomorrow and then they have off Friday. So they didn't play they, – they didn't play standing. They DH judge. And they basically had an outfielder outfield of all guys with OPSs in the 600s. So it's not a ton the, – the bats – we're not necessarily there. I'm really worried about Gio coming back. Um, so I, I just hope that our healthy, our, our guys that are on the IL come back healthy. Because I really hope that Heaney is not our fourth starter coming into the stretch at the end of August. Like, I'd rather heal than, than Heaney, who pitched fantastic his last two starts. Yeah. I think he, he pitched he, the night um, – we had our podcast last week. So I just think injuries are the number one key. I can see Boston falling out of this. It's really in our hands this uh, upcoming they may week. Be the worst they, to me, they may be like one of the worst teams out of that, you know, group of guys between 
the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Oakland A's, and the Boston Red Sox. Tampa Bay has kind of separated themselves where I think that they're guaranteed one of the two spots, whether it be a wild card or the division. I think Boston may be in the most trouble because even though they're getting sale back, I think that this is kind of what the Red Sox were. Nobody predicted the Red Sox to be the best team in the American League. Like this was, had you told me in 2018 that the Red Sox, you know, that team, that was a really great team, an all-time great team, won, you know, 100 plus games. That was the most winning team in Red Sox history. This team before the year, I thought they'd be a middle of the pack team. Maybe they show more fight than they really are, but they never really felt like this juggernaut of a team with that pitching staff. And some of the, I, I didn't love some of their pieces on offense. You know, I'm, I'm not a big Bobby Dahlback fan. I'm not a big Franchi Cordero fan. Hunter Renfro can have stretches, but they're, they didn't seem like this juggernaut Dahlbeck team is- that just wiped through, through teams. Well, I think their pitching has really collapsed on them, right? Because oh, that, that they, they were getting out of jam, out of jams. You know, early on in the Yankees season, when we played that series in Boston, and Ottavino was pitching up against the Yanks, and we lost these really close games to Boston. I always thought that their bullpen was a little bit better than ours, so I always thought that they could edge it out. But they haven't played as well recently, and um, I honestly, to me. Personally, I think the Red Sox fall out. That's what I hoped to happen. Yeah. I really want – I really hope the Astros actually fall down and we face the Astros. That's another story. However, um, you know, I think the Blue Jays are really hot. I'm more afraid of them than the A's and the Red Sox because we're kind of playing up against the Blue Jays, in my opinion. We have a lot of games left versus them, too. I can definitely understand that. So one uh, one thing that I found interesting about the Yankees season is that as the games have you know begun to matter more and games in July are going to matter more than games in May or April. So when the Yankees had that tough stretch of 5 and 11 and then they go 23 and 9, the 23 and 9 that was bound to happen, but the two to me best Yankee stretches this year have been right after the All-Star break when they, you know, won series against Boston and Tampa Bay and then right after that Red Sox series where they won a bunch of series. But what's interesting in those predicaments is that most of those games were played without their top team, whether in the beginning it was, you know, Urshela and Judge and a lot of injured guys, and they were winning games with Ryan Lamar and, you know, Greg Allen. And now they're winning games with Luis Heal and Clay Holmes, and they're getting a lot of production out of guys who, had I told you, in March and spring training, these are going to be the guys who are, you know, making you a play. No idea run. who Clay Holmes is. No, no idea who Joely Rodriguez is. You know, these these guys are stepping up, and, and it's not even Gallo. Gallo had that big game against Seattle where he had that big. He's not. He homer. hasn't played that well. But he hasn't been so great, and now um, Rizzo has, you know, had a COVID outbreak, and he's got COVID to deal with. So what's it, I've been really amazed with how these kind of like replacement Yankees have fared and how they've really, I don't know if it's a jolt or what it is, but they've really impressed. And they've been a real big reason as to why the Yankees are in a spot for a playoffs, you know, a playoff spot. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that the Yankees will probably end up maybe with that second wild. No way we get that first wild card just because of the way the schedule ends. We end up playing 10 games versus the Sox, Toronto and Tampa Bay which pretty much makes our whole season. And you know what's funny is if we keep ourselves in the same spot, 
you know, who knows about the Rays, what happens with the Rays either, because they got really hot recently. They could fall off a little bit right now, too. It all matters on who gets hot in the right moments and who sustains it. Because every single AL East team is hot right now besides the Sox. So who's who's gonna who's gonna fall back out of those three teams that that falls back and isn't able to perform and um, keep that spot in the in the wild card? You know, for me, the one tough thing I think about you know picking up on Tampa Bay is that the Yankees only do play Tampa Bay three more times, and that's at the end of the season. And it's the last series of the year. It's the you know the, that weekend, first weekend in October, and I just kind of don't think that the Yankees may be in a situation where they can take the lead of the division at that time. You know, if they're two back or three back, you know, requiring winning that series or sweeping it maybe just to get a tiebreaker. I don't know if that's, you know, potentially have can potentially happen. Now the Yankees do have six with Boston that can definitely pick up some ground. They have four with Oakland so they can pick up ground there. And then they have seven with Toronto you know, four at the stadium and three in Toronto. So they have an ability to control their own destiny. However, I think certain things may have been almost decided for them. Some of their schedule does get a little bit easier. They get, you know, the Minnesotas, the Baltimores, the maybe Clevelands and Texases of the world. But at the same time, I don't know if they're the team that's going to overcome six and a half, seven games. It's really, it's really insane to me that where the, it is in the season right now. If you told me right now the Yankees were one and a half out, but Cole, Montgomery, Herman were all out of the starting, and Kluber were all out of the starting rotation. And Severino still has yet to pitch this year. Yeah, I would tell you you, you you were crazy because right now there's only one guy that's in our starting five from opening day, which is Tyone, and he's pitched really well of late. So – Hopefully it continues that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next week's games, you know, versus the Red Sox. Um, they, they play three in two days, and then they play the Twins. There's some easy games coming up for them, but at the same time, they're kind of hard. Then they play the A's on the 26th, the 27th, 28th. So they got some big games coming up um, and a few off days. Uh, let's move on to football quickly. Jared, you know, we got the preseason coming up this Saturday. I think there's a game, Jets-Giants. You know, we could knock both of those teams out of the park right now. What are you looking for in this first preseason game? As there's some storylines coming out about uh, Zach Wilson not playing too well and also the Giants kind of forming together a bond as a team. I think from a fan standpoint, you want to see the regulars get a few series. You want to see Daniel Jones going out there, throwing the ball. You want to see, okay, we won't see Saquon Barkley because he's still recovering from that injury. He may not even be ready for week one, probably won't be. But you just want to see Kenny Galladay, uh, Jabril Peppers, Leonard Williams. You want to just see them playing. You want to see them running around, you know, playing football, getting ready, seeing that. The, the results and the stats, they don't matter. That's from the Giants side because the Giants are a little bit more of a, I guess you could say, veteran team, and they have a little bit more continuity second year of Joe Judge, you know, deeper into this kind of group of guys. Now, for the Jets, I don't – stats are overblown in preseason, and people who look at stats, whether it be preseason, summer league, spring Mm. training, they normally end up not mattering, right? However, you want to see that they're making the right strides, and that will obviously show in the stats. 
the big thing that you mentioned is is that Zach Wilson has you know looked unimpressive in camp so far. He had that late start to camp, and, and you know I don't know if he had issues with the, the the contract or the Jets, but to me that's a terrible way to start. You know to start the Zach Wilson era, if you'd like to say it. You if you're going to have a bad camp, you know people are going to question why he wasn't signed way earlier and why he had to come in late and why this wasn't taken care of in June and early July. So are, are they at fault for why he's playing badly or is maybe he not exactly what he was built up to be? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Plus it's him coming into New York. Maybe he thinks he's a little bit better than what he is. And to me, you know, as I mentioned before to you, like he just seems very much like he's starting. This is what I kind of hate about the Jets in just the history of their whole football program. They've always had to like restart and they have a brand new QB and they're like, this is going to be our face, you know, and this is going to be our guy that leads our team and it doesn't pan out. And I think a lot of that is because of the team around. You can't always be expecting, you know, these guys to go out and perform and they're not that great. Like, like part of what I think Daniel Jones, he, he plays well is because he had a decent offense around him. And, and he, he's probably performed a little bit better than what people thought because he isn't an absolute bust. But at the same time, he had a decent offense to, to throw and play with. And, you know, he led that team to, what, 500? That's a little bit below 500 that year, two years ago. So we'll see what happens with Zach Wilson. He's going to play on a really bad team. I, don't, I think there's a ton of factors into why he's probably not having a great preseason. I don't care until really the third game of preseason unless he's dog water. You know, you got to prove to me that you're not absolute. The first game I don't care about. You know, if you have some – as long as you're staying in the pocket pretty long and throwing the ball and hit, almost hitting targets, you know, that's as much as you can ask for in a first preseason game. You know, the one thing though I think I'll disagree with what you said was that he doesn't have a great system or, you know, great team around him. He definitely has a better situation than, you know, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was in the last year of a coach. So a coach who was basically a dead duck and Todd Bowles. He was. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about when, when they came, he came in, you know, the Jets. He's got some pieces on offense and receivers between Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, who's kind of actually fallen out of favor. Well, he, yeah, he was 20, lost 20 pounds, bad food poisoning. Did you read about that? Jamison Crowder. Um, and then the big one, Elijah Moore, everybody's raving about Elijah Moore, whether it's executives, scouts, even players, the Elijah Moore hype train has been, you know, tremendous. Now they also did draft, you know, we've heard a lot on both ends of the spectrum. We've heard, you know, the great praise to Elijah Moore and how, you know, some people even think he could be an all pro this year as a rookie. Then we've heard some of the, you know, disheartening things about potentially Zach Wilson, but we haven't heard much about their offensive guard, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, that they traded up for in the first round to get. So he's got some stuff around him. He's got a first-round pick last year at, at tackle in Mackay Becton. He's got Elijah Vera Tucker, a first-round pick this year. He's got a high, high second-round pick in Elijah Moore, coupled with other good receivers. I don't think that the situation around him is so dire Obviously, it's not what other teams have. But to me, some of it's got to be on him. You know, he's got to show stuff. He was the second overall pick for a reason, right? Yeah, I think there's just a big gap before, between him and Trevor Lawrence. 
And, you know, once they fell out of that spot, the Jets, what's going to happen? You know, you're in, you're in a they, – they don't have an identity until they prove it to me. And that's what I said was the major – the number one key for them coming into the season. You got to show some identity. Are you either going to suck and build around Zach Wilson or are you going to be – or are you going to try and win a, a – or you're going to try and build around Zach Wilson – while trying to win a little bit, you know? No, I, it seems I, like they're trying to do option two because they are – you are right. They have decided to get some of these offensive pieces. Hey, I think that they have – they seem to me from the outside – you know, I'm not in the – I'm not in the, you know, the workplace. I'm not in the offices understanding exactly what's going on. But from an outside point, it seems like they have a direction. They have a GM who brought in the coach he wants – you know, maybe the better owner, the better of the two brothers is there. I think that they are trending in the right direction, but you're totally right. When it comes to the New York Jets, they got to show it. They, they, I'm not going to believe anything until I see it on the field. You know, it's nice that they're talking about how good, you know, Elijah Moore is. Look, I want to see him play. Uh, and that that's what we're going to get in this preseason game coming up against the Giants. And hey, it's got to be cool. The players, I'm sure, are going to love it, whether it's the starters who know that they have a job or the guys who are on the cutting block. It's got to be fun going up against the other team that tra- trains and practices at the same field as you do. Fair. Fair. I just wish there was so- – there has to be so- – There. this is what's the problem with the Jets, too. They don't have a figure. Like, they don't have any passing of the torch quarterback that's going to Zach Wilson. They don't have a – a coach that's super old and the quarterback in the league from 30 years ago. They don't have any of that. And hey, I think no, it's I, very I frustrating. All of that. And I think that the jets, they need to start to build. Like, who do you go to if you're Zach Wilson for guidance? Like what kind of old mentor can you, you know, I don't know if Joe Namath is still showing up to camp. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's kind of the last guy you would think of. Right. For me with the Jets, I think it's all about what they can build now. I, I think, you know, the past is the past. Zach Wilson can't control, you know, what the Sam Darnold situation was. It's That's just not up to him, right? He's I think they got to turn the page. He's with his own team. They got to turn the page. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to address with the Giants? They don't have a ton of news this week. Um, but I, I hope to see that they've turned the page on that brawl and just kind of played better ball since last season. Maybe you could see some improvements um, from Daniel Jones in a couple of games. And Jabril Peppers, hopefully he takes a bigger role. You just want to see that they're kind of trending in the war towards the right direction because, you know, for them, they're they're not a bad team. In that division, I think we're going to, you know, kind of give them a little bit more of a leash than in maybe another division had they been in the NFC West because I think the competition around them isn't so great. However, I wouldn't want to say that the first few games in the season can make or break you because the Giants were in until the last week of the season last year, and they were winless through five. However, looking at how easy the beginning of their schedule is. But think about that. Yeah. Think about that if they had won one of those games. And the Dallas game that they lost, right? Did they lose that the game the when uh, Daniel Jones fell? Who who was that against that they lost that game 
and they they were still in it until the last week, but they still had that game. Philadelphia. To win. Philadelphia, yeah, they still had a chance. Who knows? You know, you got to start off hot. If I'm there. Hey, you got to start off hot, and I, I look at their schedule, and they got teams like Denver, Atlanta, Washington. I mean, I don't want to say that these are w- wins. You don't, you can't pencil them in, but you know, you want to think that they're like, okay, this is, you know, we. You know, we can win these games and they need to win these games to, you know, stay in the hunt later when their schedule gets harder. They get it. They have an easy division where they're going to get, you know, two games against Philly, two games against Washington, two games against Dallas. But division games, you can never division games are always too weird because the other, you know, the other organization, they know you They you play them two times a year, every year. It's not like playing a team in the other conference where you play them once every four years. The Philadelphia Eagles, they know the Giants. And so while they may be on paper, you know, a worse team, they may be record-wise a worse team, they're going to play the New York Giants as tough as they possibly can. I mean, that's just the truth of it. Yeah, I I agree. One thing I do have to say, though, biggest news for the Giants, Daniel Jones' little brother, Bates Jones, is now going to be playing for the Duke Blue Devils from a Wildcat to a Blue Devil Let's see what happens. That's the biggest key for the Giants because if uh, Daniel Jones' little brother is happy, he's happy. Um, all right. I think that's all we have for today. Um, do you have anything else, Jared? No, I think um, we're getting into right ramping up to football season, and I think that's going to be great and a lot of fun. And then both New York baseball teams, hey, they're in the thick of it. You know, whether or not they're playing well or playing bad, I mean, these teams are they're, – they're in it. They, they, they're competing. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, guys, so much. We hope to be uh, continuing this through the fall. And I think we've done a pretty good job. We're going to come out with some stuff, maybe on some socials um, and uh, get out a, maybe a YouTube video with with just uh, some sound. So you guys can listen to the podcast on many platforms. So thank you guys so much. Appreciate that. Peace.